Hi, and welcome back to the Fanny Pack Podcast. You're here with Dolly. I'm Kiara. And today we're back on our bullshit and we're talking about Harry Potter. Because this is, yet again, a last minute podcast that we are filming very, very late. (sighs) She woke me up for this. That's how much I love you guys. We're still getting used to the schedule. Anyway, today... Uh, I didn't sleep last night, so if I'm yawning, it's check day. I couldn't sleep. I was too excited. Woke up. Well, I didn't sleep, so went to the grocery store, grabbed some stuff that we needed, or like... The convenience store that's 24 hours at 2 in the morning. Yeah, my dad... Yeah, our dad was pissed. (laughs) And, yeah... I didn't sleep until just before supper because I woke up to the sound of A&W bags being opened, which my nose kind of woke me up to that, and I'm still tired. <laughs> that was maybe, what, a two-hour cat nap? Yeah. But today, we're talking about fan theories! Yeah! I know, I could probably hear most of you on the crowd going, Yeah, you said in your description you talked about fan theories, but you've spent five episodes bitching <laughs> about just the stuff that's there. So now we are discussing our fan theories. Two that we have, two that we found online and very much agree with. Two that we have come up with ourselves, and one that we think is so fucking ridiculous we just had to share it with y'all. <laughs> yes. Starting off, we're gonna do that Harry Potter has a mental disorder. Not a mental disorder. I think he has a personality disorder. Thank you, that's what it's called. This is my personal headcanon. This is what I came up with by myself. As I far totally as agree. I know. Um, and y'all should know also that both me and Kiara do have personality disorders, so we're not just throwing shit at the wall and going, that seems to fit without any kind of experience or evidence or, or education knowledge. or knowledge yes. on this. We are yes. speaking from experience. If you look at his character traits, he does. I'm going to start on the basis for most cluster B personality disorders. By the way, I am sort of headcanoning that he probably has borderline personality disorder. And again, I am speaking from a place of experience here. I'm not just throwing something out here, okay? The the, the poor, poor guy also, you have to think about this too. This poor kid has a traumatic past. And... Trauma seeds a lot of personality disorders, especially the cluster B ones. Yes, but also... And not only that... Also, this poor kid. You throw these kids in school at 11 years old, right? So usually by the time you roll around 15, 16, maybe even 14, somewhere along those lines, puberty is kicking in. So that's gonna cause a lot more cluster fucks to start forming. See, and here's the thing though. Cluster B personality disorders, which encompasses 
borderline personality disorder, hysterical personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and I can't remember what the other one is right now, but there's another one in there. And they can all start developing symptoms and signs as young as five years old. And what do we see? What do we see with Harry in his first appearances in the book as like an eleven year old? An eleven year old. He's withdrawn from the Dursleys. He's withdrawn even in school because he has no friends except for Ron and Hermione. But he doesn't have those friends until he gets to Hogwarts when he's attending Muggle school. It's. He has no friends. He gets bullied so much by D- Dudley and, and his friends. And his friends. And I'm gonna presume the other kids because kids are dicks. And they see one kid going after this kid, and everybody dogpiles because Dudley is explicitly in the text. He's the alpha male. There's no such thing as an alpha male. But he is like kind of the head ringleader of it all, and nobody wants to get on Dudley's bad side, so they pick on Harry too. Well, when I say alpha male, I'm referring more to as the leader of the pack. Yeah, but a- a- alpha more, alpha comes with some bad connotations. He he gives off the personality of being like a mob boss. Not really a mob. If you cross Dudley, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you. So, it's either, huh, am I going to sit there and refuse and get the shit kicked out of me? Or am I gonna bully oh. this kid and not get the shit kicked out of me? You want to fit in. I'm it's gonna that, bully this kid. It, it's that like conformity bias. We all want to fit in, and if we see all the other kids doing this one thing, chances are they're gonna follow the leader. They're gonna follow the leader because Dudley's kind of an intimidating leader, uh, kind of an intimidating person. Anyway, and. Like I said, I come at this from experience. I had difficulties similar to Harry's growing up. I had issues as a child, uh, abandonment issues. Um, I got bullied a lot in school, which didn't help. And I was very isolated, and Harry was very isolated. And this is a lot of why I think so many people related to Harry, like especially at least me, I related to him so much because I had gone through things similar to what he had. So, you know, coming from that place and reading a character that I related to so heavily and then growing up and and being diagnosed with a personality disorder, looking back on Harry's character... It starts. It starts making things make sense now. Why I specifically say borderline personality disorder is because Harry has a habit. I wouldn't call it a habit so much as one of his traits is that he, for a long time, definitely tended to split people into good person, bad person. He views the world in a very black and white sort of way. And that becomes very, very clear as the text goes on, as the story goes on. Yep. And 
even when he does go to Hogwarts, even when he does get friends, he is still very isolated. And it is difficult to get along with. Not, and I don't say that in like a mean way, but he really lucked out in finding Ron and Hermione. Because bless their fucking souls, they are so patient with that kid. Yes, they are. Like, <laughs> they spent the first year hoarding off, fending off his dumbass questions. Like, what's this? What's this? What's There's this? something in the air. What's this? There's dancing everywhere, you know? <laughs> There's white things everywhere. You know? Um. <sighs> It's snowing in the Great Hall. Stop it, Ron. You're making all of us look like we've got a horrible dandruff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, headphone users. <sighs> and my biggest, like, thing that indicates that Harry has BPD is that he reacts to things. So sort of strangely. Like, Harry, when Cedric died, he was understandably devastated, but he didn't, like, grieve in the normal way. What is, okay, I am Sick of people using that term. Sorry, you know what I mean. In the, uh, it he feel it, it feels like he didn't grieve at all. That's I, what it means. I don't think, I don't think it's a case where Harry didn't grieve at all, but he grieved in a very muted sort of way. He, like, he put on the brave face so that nobody knew he was hurting. I don't think it was a brave face so much as he didn't know how to process the emotion. That too. Because you notice that in, in fourth year where he's like, yes, he's crying when he brings Cedric back. But for most of the whole thing, like after, after they take Crouch Jr., out of the room and they send Harry to the hospital wing. It, his emotions are very like muted and weird. Well, uh, see, there's the thing. Harry kind of shut down in the fifth movie too after Sirius died. Like, he well, you of, didn't, he didn't even really shut down. He, no, he literally barked at, well, he barked at Ron in the fourth one. Like he became aggressive towards Ron. All Ron asked was if he wanted to go down for something to eat and that he should eat. And Harry turned around and went, I'm fine, Ron. He got snippy with Ron. Yeah, I realize that, but... Uh, that was part of the anger stage, I understand. But in fifth year, he mourned in the beginning. Like, he cried when Sirius died. He didn't even really cry. He was just sort of screaming. He was screaming, but I think that was more out of a shock. I think it was more shock 
and like he wanted to grab Sirius. Sirius. He wanted to get him. And I think the other thing too is kind of he was going after Bellatrix. And I think Ramus knew. I think Ramus knew if he hadn't let him, if he had let him go earlier than what he would have, Bellatrix would have been dead. He would have killed her. He needed to let him mute that. He needed to let him like calm that emotion for a second. He needed to. He needed to prioritize yeah. the situation first. He, he needed to give Harry first. a little. He needed to give Harry like a second to calm down, before to get his Harry rational brain thinking. Before Harry would have ended up in accident. Yeah, and then you notice like after that, we don't see Harry grieve. We don't see him like deal with Sirius's death because after that they're at the train station talking about oh yeah well we have something he doesn't have something to fight for and it's like ah hope and it's like noses noses (laughs) it's a very strange tonal shift for somebody who should be neck deep in the grieving process and yet he full on goes searches for horcruxes and then defeats one of the most powerful wizards. And we don't even see Harry grieving in sixth year. We don't see him grieve in seventh year. We don't. See, here's the thing. He is... It's his, only assumed that he grieved after he left Hogwarts. See, I, it's never even mentioned if he grieved after he left Hogwarts. But as I was saying... Well, because it goes from... You just cut me off. Them standing on the bridge... 19 years later. So what? what's what's in that what's during those 19 years? Well, we know dating. that him and Ginny dated. Then they got married. Then they had their kids. But who's to say in between that time he didn't finally sit down at a pub get snockered go home and cry himself to sleep over. See, I, as I was <laughs> saying speak you even notice it in sixth year when Dumbledore dies. Like the the scene itself has a lot of emotion. It's very heart wrenching. I cried my eyes out before I realized that Dumbledore was kind of a dickhead. The worst one for me was Dobby. But I think for me it was because I felt that emotion from Harry's perspective, but it never detailed Harry actually being sad about it. It, it, like, make no mistake, it was not clinical in the way that Severus Snape's death was. See, I... And then you get to Severus Snape's death, and as I, I said in the previous podcast, that death scene was so clinical, so unfeeling, so removed emotionally, that that was kind of the clincher for me, that Harry... Really didn't give a shit about Snape. Not so much that he didn't give a shit about Snape, but I think he was so conflicted about his feelings for him that feelings about Snape that his emotions just numbed on the whole thing. Like with with Dumbledore as well, he was more you could feel his emotions. You could feel his emotions but, in a way because you were you were in his perspective, so you were 
taking his the emotions he would have been feeling onto yourself because but, you'd been there. But he was also confused at the same time. There were so many unanswered questions that Dumbledore was supposed to give him, but then he died. See, and, and that's kind of the thing too. One of the last line of Dumbledore's death scene was essentially he would never be able to help again. And I think that was... Which was kind of bullshit, because he ended up helping in Platform 9. Yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that, but let me finish. Dumbledore is death! Can I finish? Go ahead, sorry. I just... Sorry, excitement. I think... For me, a lot... When I re-examine the grief that I feel about Dumbledore's death scene, is that... It's kind of the moment I realized that Harry didn't have a safe space anymore. That he did not have any kind of emotional respite, that he didn't have someone he could turn to who would understand what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And I think, for me, that was the saddest part because, you know, yeah, that fucking hurts. I know what that's like. I think everybody kind of knows what that's like losing someone you care about. Or even not just losing someone you care about. Losing a space that you can breathe in. That you feel safe in. That, like, you can go and no matter what's coming at you, nothing can hurt you for the time being. That was what Dumbledore truly was for Harry. And then you know, he died. And, of course, I know he died because he had to to service the plot. Otherwise, people would have been just been like, oh, yeah, well, Dumbledore could have done it easily, right? Yeah. He he was an obstacle to Harry's success in a, in a strange way. But you still feel that grief, but you feel it in a different way because I think Harry felt it in a different way. Yeah. And then... You know, you get to Snape's death scene, and as I said, it's clinical, it's detached, it's emotionally removed. And we know that Harry was conflicted in his feelings about Snape. And I, myself, reading that was very conflicted, because I still fucking hated Snape. But, I, I think the... I want to say the allure of all the information we found out later kind of gives everybody rose-tinted glasses about Snape sometimes. Because we look at his childhood, and because that's like the last part of him in the series we see, we kind of tend to go, oh, well, he had such a difficult childhood, you know? And we tend to see more of I want to say we see more of child and teen Snape and we project that onto adult Snape and we use that to excuse adult Snape's actions. Even though the man is in his 30s and you need to take responsibility for your shit at some point. Like, you no longer have the, well, my childhood sucked excuse when you get to a certain age. And Snape was about three years past that. Back to the disorder. We got off topic. Yeah, we got off topic, but 
Harry, as I said, he responds to things in a weird way, but he also, as we see in the series, he becomes irrationally angry about weird stuff. And I know that's hand-waved away with, oh, it was just the Horcrux, but I don't like that explanation. I don't like sweeping all of Harry's bad traits under the rug as the Horcrux. Because he was even that way after. In a sense, he was... I don't think anybody ever wanted to admit that Harry was as traumatized as he was. Which is why, when I do role plays that happen after the war, it has Harry, it usually has Harry dealing... He's got, like, PTSD, he's dealing with his shit, he has those hints of the personality disorder, but it's also, like, he kind of goes wild for a little bit, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because it's... Harry, in essence, is kind of a child star. And you know how sometimes they just kind of go off the rails, in a sense? I don't, I don't say that in a disrespectful way, it just... They want to disassociate themselves from, from that, that image. Because that's not who they are. That That's either not who they are, or that's just not what they want to be anymore. See, that's why I like Miley. Is she's kind of combined Hannah and <clears throat> basically early 2000s Miley into her new style. Because she's got the blonde hair. She's got the Hannah hair. But she also... She dresses... Provocatively, like, which is fine. She dresses her age. But she also has that hint, if you look at some of her outfits, she has the hint of early 2005. Yeah. She wears some stuff that resembles her early years. And I know some people... Blue- more provocative. I know some people are like, well, she has to go back to Hannah now. Nobody liked that other stuff. And here's the thing that I will forever... Here's the hill I'm going to die on right now. I liked Miley Cyrus in her wild phase. I say that in quotations. Because why is it that when we see girls grow into women in the spotlight and they start behaving like adult women we're like oh so she's become a slut now she's gone off the rails she's pulling a Britney I hate that one by the way like free Britney fuck that you know what she means is free Britney fuck everybody saying she's pulling a Britney that's what I mean yeah free Britney you said it Sorry. Yeah, free Britney. Somebody, please. This shit's gone on way too long and the poor girl needs to live her own life. Can we get back on top? That's I'm not saying It's this, related. I'm not saying this. Anyway, I just don't understand why we do that towards female stars, but male stars are allowed to go through that phase and nobody questions it. Which is why I think Harry probably realistically might have gone through a phase like that. 
very long, and I don't think Ginny would have tolerated it. Or, in my personal head canon, Luna wouldn't have tolerated it for very long, but you know. So, Dolly. Yes, Kiara. You want to move on to another theory? I think I've presented my evidence. Now, are you going to open that can of worms today? Oh, I will. But I think we should do a little bit of lightheartedness after all that trauma. Yes. So, about this time-traveling wizard. Oh, yes. You know it. You love it. You it's probably, the Rumbledore theory. You probably hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Rumbledore theory. Yay. Some people on the internet seem to think that Ron is a time-traveling Dumbledore. <laughs> if you haven't heard this theory before, you can already see the flaws, considering that Dumbledore is a gay-coded... is a gay man who's coded asexual. Probably will never understand that. And... Ron is, as far as we know, a heterosexual. Although, to be fair, I'm fairly convinced he had a boy crush on Crumb until he figured out the guy was a creep. Victor, I love you. Victor, Victor I, I do. When we're a pop, my heart beats only for you. There's a theory. Ron Weasley was a panicking bisexual. No, he wasn't the panicking bisexual. He was just weirdly bisexual. Harry Potter was the constantly panicking bisexual. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, Rumbledore. R Rumbledore is like the dumbest one because not, not only can you disprove it with one fact, but wh why... What? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's aside, so bad we can't even form words. Uh, aside from the potential to, you know, go back and help Harry. Number one, how the fuck do the Weasleys know who he is? How the fuck does he look like all of them? Theory. Number the real Ron Weasley is tied up somewhere like the real Mad I was. Oh my god, <laughs> no! No! <laughs> No! Did I just open up a can of worms? No! You just made it funny! Um, yeah, the real Ron's tied up somewhere like the original Mad-Eye was, and he's been polyjuicing himself for years, and... What? Wait! The, the Dumbledore Wait. that time does not know. Wait! What if... What, what if the real Ron... What if the real Ron... Is the ghoul in the Weasley's attic? <laughs> and that's how it fooled the ministry! <laughs> you yeah. He was in Rod's pajamas! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> okay. You can see how dumb we think this theory is. Actually, no, I'm not saying I believe it, but it's starting to make a little sense. If you put those pieces together, but I digress. I digress. Anyway, 
Yeah, there's the lightheartedness. I have nothing else on Rumblegore. What about you? Not me either. So do we go cat or dog? My personal favorite. How the fuck did Crookshanks know who Harry was? See, I don't think it was ever explicitly stated that he knows who Harry is, but he knows his scent. He's he's very comfortable around Harry in a way that's weird to his personality because y'all know Crookshanks does not take to new people. And he'd been at that pet store for a while. We don't know how long exactly, but it's quite possible that it could have been, I don't know, Harry's cat. 11 years or so? Because. Well, it would have been. It's mentioned. 12 years. We put this together. 12 years. 12 years. We put this together. With actual text-based evidence. With some text-based evidence, because it is mentioned by Lily in the letter to Sirius that Harry found that they did have a cat. Now, it's not noted if that cat is half measle or not, but we do know that Crookshanks is half measle, which means he lives a lot longer than most cats. Yeah. Our second bit of evidence, whenever Crookshanks is textually stated being around Harry, he seems to be very protective of him insert the scene in third year when Harry passes out and he wakes up with Crookshanks right next to his head. Now, or the I don't, fact that Crookshanks hates and Scabbers. And I mean hates Scabbers and then come to find out that Scabbers is actually Wormtail? Who betrayed Harry's parents. He yeah. would know and recognize that scent. That scent. Because I think at one point, maybe the guys were goofing off, or, well, because he was the, the key holder. He was their secret keeper for a while, which means so, he would have gone to visit them at some point. He would have been in the house, or he would have been patrolling. Not patrolling, he would have been in the house, because Lily did mention that he visited. He visited, yes, but sometimes he could have been in rat form just to check on them. That's true. So he, Crookshanks would have had his human scent. And his rat scent. And his rat scent. And that cat was weirder around scabbers than a normal cat would be around a mouse or a rat. Like he was gunning for scabbers. Like, you'd actually think that there was like a personal grudge between them. That? Or... I know y'all have probably heard the term <clears throat> cat and mouse. Most cats, yes, would have played with their food, but they would have batted it around and then eventually probably ate it. Why the hell 
Crookshanks never eat scabbers. Because he knew that was a human. No, not just that. Because every time Crookshanks tried to actually eat him, or go to eat him, he'd turn back into a human and flee. True, that could have very well happened. And another thing on the scabbers thing. Why in the fuck? How long did the twins have that goddamn map for? And they never stopped to think, huh, why is there a strange man in our 13-year-old little brother's bed? Because it showed up as Peter Pettigrew on the map. And not only that, they've had, they had the map long enough that they probably would have seen it when Percy had him, too. Yeah. Unless, and I have seen this counter theory, that the Marauders enchanted the map so they themselves didn't show up on the map. But, wait a minute, no, Pettigrew did show up on the map when Harry had it, because he told Ravis about it. So, but yeah, it on. still doesn't make sense. Hang on. Harry's James's son. That is true. They might have enchanted it so it only shows up to them or their relatives. Which, they made an entire map of Hogwarts with all the secret passages. It wouldn't surprise me. They turned themselves into Animorphigy when they were like 15. Animagus? Animagus, sorry. So, you know, they had to be smarter than they, like, let on. Did you? Oh, my. Here's a theory. What if Lily helped them make the potion? Like, they hated each other, but maybe they, like, secretly enlisted her help or something without her knowing. But the thing is, listen. What if Lily went along with it? Hoping that... What if she was secretly an Amagus as well? As a doe? Maybe not a doe. Because you don't always get ones that correspond with your Animagus. Your Patronus? Your Patronus, sorry. <laughs> You're the one with all this shit up... Maybe I'm the one with the brain cell. You've got the brain cell right now. <laughs> We're Pinky and the brain! And then in the end it turned out that Pinky was the genius. Hi! I guess I'm Pinky. Hi. Anyways, continue. They don't correspond with your Patronus? No, they don't always they don't always correspond with your Patronus, so it's quite possible that Lily could have been an animagus and nobody knew because most of them are fucking unregistered for some reason. Previous <coughs> Peter. Yeah. Y you think about that, over half the animagus we know of in the series are unregistered. You've got Rita Skeeter. McGonagall. No, McGonagall did get registered when she became a teacher. You've got Rita Skeeter and the Marauders. And God knows who else Harry went to school with because he had the observation skills of a brick wall. That, 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 that also leads me to another theory on that one, but...
we covered Crookshanks? I think we have sufficiently covered Crookshanks. There's that can of worms. Continuing off of that one, Draco knew full well what the fuck he was doing, and he didn't fuck shit up like the little shitty is. Oh, he did fuck shit up, he just did it intentionally. Yes. We did speak on this in our very first podcast episode, where I yelled that Draco ruins everything. And then I just kind of put piece to piece together, because if it wasn't for Draco's help, Harry would have never actually won the war. Think about it. If Narcissa was about to be killed, Harry well, would have never had any hesitation to save her. He would have stepped in and fought off the attacker. Or at least helped her until she got back on her feet to be able to defend herself. And to be fair... If it was Lucius, though, he would have been sitting there going, after all the shit you put me through? Uh, I'll save you, but... I'll let him go for a minute. Yeah. But with Narcissa, there it would have been no, you're no. And Draco fucking knew this. And he thought, huh, if I am to keep my mother safe and out from the hands of this psychopath, what if I become a true double agent, not like Snape, and without anybody knowing I'm working for the other side. Not Dumbledore, not Sirius, not Severus, not even Harry, nobody, not even his parents knew. Well, maybe his mom, because maybe see, they talked about it. here's the thing, Draco is pretty damn smart. He's a smart kid. We won't deny that. Because, think about it. Like Dolly said in the previous podcast, the first podcast, if he hadn't joined the Inquisitorial Squad and had Umbridge find the DA, Voldemort wouldn't have been caught when he did. Because, as we said, it was Draco joining the Inquisitorial Squad squad to spite Harry that led to their capture, thereby leading Dumbledore to leave Hogwarts because they were going to arrest him, and thereby leaving him completely wide open to come to the Ministry when Harry needed him. And it also radicalized the rest of the DA. I can... And and the first DA, because all the or the first order, yeah, because the first order officially started coming together again. Pretty much all of except for the ones who have sadly passed. Oh, poor Jamie, my fan my OC character for roleplay. Her mother was an Emmeline Vance and uh, she was part of the order and she ended up dying. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah, when Jamie found out she was pissed. But, back on topic. 
it brought the order together. Yes, more. Cause they had they now had to rally behind Dumbledore harder than ever because they could see what the ministry was doing. Exactly. Which if Dumbledore hadn't have shown up, the order wouldn't have shown up, which meant Lucius would have gotten no, see, it would have only been the order showing up, but see, if Draco hadn't radicalized the DA by getting Dumbledore kicked out, then most of the, it would have just been Harry until the order showed up. And it would have been technically easier to deal with. Yeah, because not only did they have teenagers fighting them, and skilled teenagers at that, because Harry is a very good teacher. They also had trained orbs show up. Show up. And I think they could have taken them if it was just the orbs, or they could have had Harry. They probably might not have even ran into the order if it had just been Harry, because they could have overpowered him. Well, true, because think about it. Harry could have said, oh, hold on, I just got to go to the washroom. I'll be back. Right. Sneak off, Umbridge's office, ministry, by himself. Exactly. Which then, or at least him, Ron, and Hermione. Which, you know. I don't think, no, Harry wouldn't have put those two in that. He would have went by himself. Because remember, he didn't want anybody getting hurt or dying for him, so he would have went on his own. But, but even thing. if it was just him, Ron, and Hermione, it still would have been easier than the entire DA. Exactly. And Sirius would have never been killed. Because he wouldn't have shown up right away. See, but his death was, was purposely narrative. It was necessary for the plot. He kind of had to die. It was either him or Arthur. Yeah. And I don't think she really wanted that to happen to Ron. No. He nearly lost him in... He nearly lost him earlier that year anyway. In fifth year, yeah. Because of the Nagini attack. Yeah. Which... That's a whole fuckload of trauma right there. For yeah. Harry. Because Harry was looking through the eyes of Nagini while she was attacking Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. So in your head, you're thinking, did I do this in my dream? And I, I just think it's interesting. The, um... The line, people aren't... Serious's line? Serious's line. People aren't good or bad entirely. They're... People weren't born good or evil. It's the path you choose to take. Essentially, that's the line on it. And I think... We're, we're all born with both light and dark. It's just the path that you choose It's the part you choose to act on. Yes. And I think that 
is an interesting nod to the personality disorder theory. Yes. And now that I've kind of got that out of the way, is it time? Is it dog time? Because we've got we, half an hour. We talk. No. Anyway. Go ahead. It's dog time. We're oh, talking no. about it's wolf time. It yeah, we're talking about every Draco Stan's favorite theory <gasps> that Draco Malfoy became a werewolf in sixth year. Cause he went through the change. If you look at how he acted and looked at his person, he always looked, looked sick. And how did Ramus look, especially around that time of the month? He was always looking sick. He looked. Sweaty. He looked like he had the plague. Not the plague so much as he was just really cold and clammy. And... How would you know? <laughs> <laughs> and this is, in a sense, textual because Voldemort had been known to send Greyback after the families of people who upset him. Like Lupin's parents. Like Lupin's parents. Now, I realize that Rowling, like, kind of debunked this theory in a way, but, um, you know, in this house, we don't take Rowling's word as law. Then what about Lavender Brown? What about her? She was bit by Greyback as well. Yeah. But we don't know what happened to her. Exactly. She wasn't seen after that part. What if she recuperated? She might have been in the hospital way. That's very possible. She could have, but it says on the website, her status is unknown. Exactly. So we're off who's topic. To though. Say, hold on. Who's to say if Lavender Brown is still alive? She could have changed her name, changed everything about herself, and moved out of the country. Like. Instead of American werewolf in London, it's London werewolf in America. British. But it's British werewolf in LA. Why not Los Angeles? It's the full name of the city. It's too long. The title of the movie is American Werewolf in London. That's a bit of a mouthful anyway. British werewolf in Los Angeles. Yeah. British werewolf in LA. British werewolf in Hollywood. That works. But she could have changed her name, changed her appearance, went off, moved to America, got married, settled down, had a kid. Maybe. Or maybe she moved to France and just basically did a, a Mona from Pretty Little Liars. No, she moved to New York. She seems more like a Paris kind of person, though. She's very romantic in a sense. She moved to New York and now she's with the wolf pack of the mortal instruments. <laughs> Sorry. I have to. But, back on Draco. Deathly sick looking. He looks pale, he looks sweaty, he looks clammy, he looks gross. I can't finish that sentence. 
He looks dead. Like he looks like dying. death has warmed over. But then, well, not to save for something of nineteen years later. That boy let himself go. He had one too many magical burgers. But, or, or maybe that's just the way that the Malfoy men fill out, because Lucius was not in that great a shape near the end either. Oh, he, he was still skinny and girthy. He looked like he wasn't eating. No, at near the end of the series, he was not very thin. He looked a lot thinner than he did when he first started. Not really. His cheeks were, he looked like a coke addict. Yeah, but he still, he still had, he's, he had a paunch though. He had a bit of a paunch. That might have been the actor. Yeah, but still. But you you still. forget, you forget these people are still rich. Yeah. But look at him from but you also first have... year to sixth year. And then after sixth year, seventh year hit, and holy shit balls, he was hot. And isn't it known most of the time that if you go, Draco peaked in high school essentially with the help of some werewolf venom. Yeah. But look at look look look, look at um look at Ramus. Ramus. It's weird because in the movies we're supposed to believe that he's only in his 30s. And yet Draco looks older 19 years later. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's what being a werewolf does to you. It makes you like hot in the beginning and then it takes a toll. Focus all the changes. Because of all the changes all the potions, and just all the constant stress your body is under. It's enough to make you go very fast. Yeah. And Draco's already white-haired, so he can't go any more white. Yeah. And maybe that's how he was always healing up so fast. Well, maybe not always, but he did heal remarkably but fast after the after the duel in the bathroom. But why was he always in the girls' lavatory on the second floor? Because it's the one place he knew nobody would go, and it was probably the one place he could go to safely go through his transformations. But he also had someone there that would help him through it. Mo Mona. Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle. Yes, and not only that, because of how close he was with Snake, he could still get a wolfsbane potion. Exactly. See, I don't get this. Why didn't Harry go back and teach defense against Darkhurts? That's what I don't get either. That's why I kind of headcanon that he did. Or even... He could have even taken over Madame Hooch's spot. Uh, no, that would have been more Jenny, I think. 
he was really good at teaching defense against the dark arts, and I think if he had applied, McGonagall would have accepted it. No, not potions. I think he had too much trauma associated with potions. He was really, defense against the dark arts was his course. That was his. And I, I think- would have been lunch. Or any meal. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the thing. Ron is actually really good at, like... I I really don't want to sound weird, but, like, Ron really could have taught a history of magic. Even though he hated the subject in school. Ro one of Ron's best talents, and I will argue this, this is the hill I'm going to die on, Ron is really good at taking all these highbrow wizarding concepts and making them understandable to people who may not understand what he's talking about. He's really good at dumbing things down. I don't want to say dumbing things down, but he puts it in a way that you can sort of understand it if you're not familiar with the society. Yeah. See, he would have been really good at A History of Magic, and Hermione obviously would have done something like arithmetic. No. Ancient Runes. Yes. Use your inner eye to, to see, see the future! <laughs> Which I, I just think, I just think is interesting, because she takes ancient runes. And a lot of the, society, the societies that used ancient runes would use runes to tell the future. But she thinks that divination is poppycock. Oh, no, 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 no. Ron would have been good at history and magic. Or divination. No. <laughs> no. How many fucking times... Did his predictions actually come true? I think we only saw one that came true. He was gonna suffer, but he was gonna be happy about it. In the book, remember they were he was writing out fucking shit fucking predictions? And what happened? They came true? Well, I think so. Although to be fair, Trelawney Mish, I think the thing is, it's one of those skills that for him he can't teach it. He can do it, but he because it, he does it mostly on instinct, and he's fucking around and finding out. You can't teach when you you use that kind of thing. You can't teach a subject where that's like how you get by on it. Like I willy nilliness. You can't teach that willy nilly because you don't know what you're doing. True. You're just doing it, which is why. I would argue he's better at teaching a Wait history a of magic. Hold on. I have to say this, nobody bitch at me. What? If y'all have seen Wonder One Tree Hill. Yeah. There was a a thing that Nathan put something. In behind the brick where Lucas and Haley put their predictions of the year in. Yeah. And it was Haley and I would be back together by the end of the year. Mm hmm. And what happened? Him and Haley were back together by the end of the school year. Yeah. 
and that they'd be together forever. And technically they were in the show, but how much do you want to bet that Ron wrote that he would end up with money? That sounds like something that he would do at some point, not gonna lie. He was so frustrated about the crumb incident. He was so frustrated that he thought that Hermione and Harry were going to be a thing. And the whole thing with that Horcrux that he killed. Yeah. But he sat down and said, you know what? Fuck it. I want her. I'm going to predict that I'm going to get her. I, if see it that happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then I'll figure it out. See, I... Uh, it, it sounds more romantic if it's just a thing that he's doing at some point. Like, I want to end up with her. Oh my god, second year. And you just... I think I like Hermione. You know what? I'm gonna end up with her at some point. And then he thinks, ah, girls, cooties, and then just throws <laughs> it away. Uh-huh. Little does he know, 17 years later almost. No, six years. No, five years. Sorry, bad at math. Five years later, they're together. And him sitting there going, The fuck is this shit? It came true? <laughs> and then him calmly setting Hermione down going, You know how you don't like divination? Yeah. I kind of predicted us being together. Okay, Ron. Rubbish. <laughs> okay, Ron. Have another one. No, no, I'm serious. Here, here's the paper I wrote. I would we she wouldn't say have another one. She just like Okay, okay Ron. Ron. Okay. It's like, here's the paper I wrote when we were in second year. You'd see my handwriting's worse than it is now. <laughs> see, I I I um, that is just a little bit you going. Okay. Okay. I believe you. <laughs> Her calling up Harry going, yeah, I think there's something wrong with Ron. Why? He said he predicted us being together. Oh, yeah. I was right with him when he wrote it down and then he threw it away thinking it had never happened. He made a joke about it and then... Mm. And then it happened. We're <laughs> off topic. <laughs> but, yeah. We got into, we got into shit, but we're going back to the Draco werewolf thing. Okay, that's where we were at. Sorry, ADHD. I forgot where I was. ADHD! Squirrel! I has my wand! Your wand is broke. What's that? Yes, it is. What'd you do to it? I didn't do anything to it. I pulled it off your bed and it was broke because you had slept on it. Oh, it doesn't need to light up. It's Levi-O-sa. Stop, stop, Not stop. No, you're doing it wrong. It's stop, stop, stop. You're going to take someone's eye out. It's Levi-O-sa. Not levi You do it then. It feels so clever. Go on, go on. moment I was like, those two are going to be an item. <laughs> well, I knew... In second year after she had been petrified, 
when she was running through the hall, she was so comfortable hugging Harry, and then it's almost hugging Ron, and then just a handshake. That's when I knew. But the funny thing is, speaking of Miss Granger, or Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Granger Weasley, Mrs. Granger Weasley, yes. I'm eventually going to be going to Harry Potter World in Orlando, Florida at Universal Studios. At some point after COVID. <laughs> yes. Um, I will be dyeing my hair. Well, I can't really dye it now because I cut it, but if I still had my longer hair, I had to it for summer. Oh my god, it was too hot. I'm getting a brown wig. I am finding Hermione's jacket, the pink one, and I am going to Universal Studios as Hermione Granger. She's gonna cosplay! Yay! And hopefully I get picked to get my very own wand. I'm gonna go on Hagrid's motorcycle. We're going on the dragon ride at Gringotts. Uh, I'm taking the train to Hogwarts, and then the train to Hogsmeade. But we're also doing the the, the dragon ride in Hogwarts from fourth year. I'm also getting a robe. Don't brag too much. Why? Because we're here to talk about Harry Potter, not about how you're going to go to Harry Potter World. Because you're making me mad because I don't like planes. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd go. How about a long car ride? Anyway. <laughs> Wolf Boy. Yeah. An hour. <sighs> I can't, yeah, the healing and everything like that kind of makes sense of him being ready. And actually, it would be because of the way that Harry, Ron, and Hermione would have smelled when they were taken to Malfoy Manor in seventh year. Draco was horrified the whole time. Because of the blood from Hermione. And Ron and Harry. And then especially Hermione. Yeah, because he, he watched her get her arm cut open. Yeah. His sense of smell. Not only that, it would have been traumatic! Ear piercing because of the heightened senses of the hearing. And him holding back tears going, my ears are bleeding, my ears are bleeding. Yeah. But that's mostly all the theories that I think of. Yeah. We had four good ones and one completely dumb one. If you guys have any that you want us to talk about, 
email them in the email link. Or you can just send them to the fannypack g at gmail.com. That's what I mean, email. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's the fannypack g at gmail.com. Or if you have any other things you want us to talk about. Yep. But I think that's about it for tonight. We get to wrap up tonight. Uh, we will see you next week. This has been Dolly. And Kiara. Bye-bye. Bye. Mwah.